And Ross, you're recording? I'm recording. Fletcher says carefully. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> you push the red button, Ross. Nuclear. Now, is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. We're not overtly prescriptivist when it comes to uh, language. But we think it's good to sort of, we're kind of in between. We think it's good to have certain rules or whatever. And that also applies to facts, such as history. And we got this uh, email, and we had also noticed it, uh, Virginia's proposed social studies reform legislation. Did you see that, Fletcher, or not? Yeah, I did. And they want to teach the children about the Lincoln-Frederick Douglas debates. Did you see <laughs> yeah, that? I did. <laughs> yes. They they, uh, they want to teach, of course, about the Lincoln-Douglas debates, but they seem to think that Frederick Douglas was the one involved there. Yeah. Which is a major was... problem, given the topic of the debates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, we were curious we as to what. Yeah, it was definitely an oh my god moment, and it it, it does does speak to the fact that uh, accuracy seems to be uh, going downhill across the board, mm-hmm. whether it's in language or in uh, history. But it also speaks to the fact that when you're a little bit off on that, everyone focuses on what you're off on, regardless if it's justified or not justified. So it does pay to be a little bit careful with with language when you're in a formal situation, in particular. Anyway, moving on. What we wanted to start with, actually, is um, the other week we were talking about the phrases and words we wanted to see retired. And we got an email from Kelly about the word hack. And it, and it got us thinking not about the word hack, which we're going to address for a second, but it got us on a completely different, as, as always is the case, a different rabbit hole. Um, but she had said in the email that uh, she was wondering if hack meaning clever solution, might have a gender dimension. She said, you know, um, it seems like I had talked about hints from Heloise and tips, tricks, and she said it's a quality of lightness or indirectness, which is tip traditionally feminine coded, which is that hacks on the other hand feels assertively masculine and bro-y. And as society has changed, she was wondering, is this um, a more masculine way of addressing feminine coded, in, in quotes, actions? which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. We both thought it was really interesting. She was wondering if we could find more evidence where the usage of hack in the sense of life hack started. Because she said, you know, I know young women are often linguistic innovators, but if the earliest attestations of this occurred among men, uh, age males 15 to 35, and it grew from there. And that's what she was like focusing on. So we went down two different paths from this. One, where did this hack as as a tip thing come from and two what about this young women changing language concept oh kelly why don't you go on with hack and well, i'll just start... really quickly i'm just gonna say we we if anyone listening is gonna help us because we're not doing well finding out the origin of hack as a tip thing everybody just basically says it seems like it started depending on which dictionary you're looking at 2004 miriam webster 2005 the oed and, and it's just in articles referring to life hacks. We have not found out yet if it was indeed pushed by young men or uh, young males, I should say, or young females. We have no idea still. So we're st- we just know that it was a 2000-ish word 
And that's that. But the one thing our, uh, our person who emailed us was correct on, and it's really interesting that women tend to be the leaders of linguistic change. I think we kind of instinctively know that, but it's been really sort of codified by a guy called William Laboff, who basically calls it the gender uh, paradox. It's a sociolinguistic phenomenon. And it's interesting because it, it, there are three basic elements to it. There are three principles. And if I quickly, I'll go through them. For stable sociolinguistic variables, women show a lower rate of stigmatized variance and a higher rate of prestige variance than men. So what he's basically saying there is women tend to be conservative when it comes to prestige language. Prestige language, tell me. Following the straight and narrow on what, you know, the patriarchy, if you want to call it that, what basically is seen as standard English and like high-ranking English, dominant, you know, bankers, diplomats, academics, that would be that would be prestige language. Women tend to try to follow it. So like the leader, like the banker, a woman's going to try to try to follow the banker speech more so than a man will. However, that conservatism, he said, does not include what he calls change from below. Change from below is when you subconsciously pick up variants in language. And that's where women tend to be very innovative. There are a whole bunch of uh, different examples, and it extends even to apparently other languages as well. Basically, this seems to be in English, it seems to also, I read a couple of studies, one in Cairo, where it seemed to be the same case, one in New York with Hispanic, uh, Spanish speakers, same case. And we don't quite know why, but women seem to be the innovators in language. And we find that men take a couple of generations to catch up to women in terms of the changes that they, they speak. I just want to say one thing along those lines, Rose, I'm, I'm sure you saw it too, that there was, um, it was a linguist from Helsinki. Did you see that? surveying letters oh this is really cool okay they surveyed letters six thousand letters from the years of, from the 1400s and the later 1600s everybody's always squawking about shakespeare 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 did all the uh changes in the english language people he was the one who introduced new words these uh linguists found when they studied these letters that female letter writers changed uh the way they wrote the letters like using changing words or dropping words or 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 the like more than men they were the ones who like discarded like doth like so and so mm -hmm. doth protest too much they were the first ones to start dropping that and what's what you're saying with the lag effect of the generations men caught up with them later on but it was like it was the mm -hmm. women who initially did this no it's very interesting the question we do get into though two questions but actually number one why is it women and i think part of the reason for women being the drivers of, of linguistic change would be they they carry babies and you know, Junior hears mom speaking before anyone else. So we have that as a, as, a, as, a, as a major influence. But what are the other reasons? Do we have any ideas? Let's talk about both sides of it. I, I, think, I think both sides are interesting, that, that women tend to be more conservative when it comes to what you uh, called prestige language. And I, I would guess that a lot of that is based in, in power dynamics. Uh, women mm -hmm. women mm -hmm. need... Maybe women consciously have to do that kind of thing in order just to continue to m maintain their place in a power structure. I think you're right on that. There was one study um, in Sweden that found, it was fairly recent, it found that women are still uh, 
major innovators in uh, in language, even though uh, Sweden has had gender equality legislation in effect since the uh, mid 60s. The question is, I think, as we're speaking, I think we're saying it, that that doesn't necessarily mean that women have a lot more power or perceive that they do. So I think your, your, your suggestion is probably correct, even with greater change. You guys, I dropped out, didn't I? When I said I had the exact opposite viewpoint, did you hear me say that or not? No. Okay, I, I keep losing internet and I apologize. I don't know what the hell's going on in Granada today. But anyway, um, I was saying that I was, I suspect actually the opposite. I was thinking that men are less inclined to want to innovate because they are in positions, in a patriarchal society, they're in charge and they don't want to look like idiots if their change or whatever isn't acceptable. I thought it was the... I, I, well, I, that, that leads us to the, to the innovation part. Um, I, I, w- I was, I guess, talking about sticking more closely to the or being more conservative with the prestige language mm-hmm. um i think men face fewer consequences if they stray from that than women might in mm-hmm. in, in those you know in those situations w- whether it's academia or or business or whatever I, I think women are going to face more consequences if they aren't as conservative with that prestige language mm-hmm. i would think so but i think the, i mean the whole problem this is all mixed up because i think that Kathy is right, though, with I think Fletcher is correct. And I think Kathy is correct. Right. I, I think, I think we're we are talking about ex- slightly two different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. we have an explanation why women would strive for the prestige language. I think that Fletcher handled that really well. I think he's correct. And I think we also have an explanation why men would maintain that prestige language, mm-hmm. because I think actually I sort of agree with Kathy on this one. I think it's dangerous if a man go if a of a you know prestige diplomat or whatever starts saying hey man what's happening that's not a good that's not a good language to use we'd also sound like and, a jerk it, so I mean. yeah <laughs> so i think we i think we do have we do have both and that's the problem with language there's always paradox there was a study done with um in in the uh, south pacific uh, in palau which had been um controlled by the japanese during world war 1 and uh, young women there, um, the conservative thing was to speak Japanese. So young women basically, in the first 20 years, young women were moving away from Japanese and they were innovators in that sense. Then suddenly about uh, 20 years ago, the innovation switched. The innovators were those who spoke Japanese because Japan became an economic power and you know movers and shakers among the Palauans wanted to learn Japanese. And their women were basically reversing the entire trend. And if we'd looked at it, we wouldn't understand that. We had to understand also the, uh, the, the power relationships there too. Mm-hmm. So it does get really complicated. Well, so, okay, so that uh, at least in, in one small sense addresses that prestige language side of it. What about the other side that women uh, are far more innovative when it comes to changing the language more generally? The change from below. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a really tough one. We don't really, we can't really figure it out. I think we all see it though. Include, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the prime changers were supposedly uh, upper lower middle class women. Those were the, the biggest changes according to Labov or from what I read about Labov. Mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, it's hard to really figure out. They did a study of Hispanics in New York, which I thought was really interesting. It was pronoun usage. In Spanish, you can say tenemos, you know, we uh, we have or whatever. You don't have to say nosotros, we have. And they found that um, unconsciously, apparently, younger Hispanic women immigrants 
were throwing in pronouns and they were saying, why is this the case? I thought maybe because they, um, do they speak better Spanish or do they in contact, whatever? They didn't know. They could not figure mm. it out. They actually were less, when they did a study, they were less apt in New York to have a higher education. The men did. So they thought, well, maybe it doesn't relate to education. They finally began to think, and they're not sure that it related to the women talking to um, fellow Hispanics who were American. And Americans would always use, you don't say have, you have to say we have or whatever. You have to put a pronoun in. And they were unconsciously copying the English of their American Hispanic friends and therefore throwing that in into Spanish. So they're, they're, they're okay, so that's what they're, so they're translating, in effect, the English into Spanish in a weird, they're, they're yeah, mimicking that in so. Spanish. Yeah, no, 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 I understand. Yeah. So that that would seem to be, you know, it was sort of interesting. But my question when they said lower upper middle class or I mean, upper lower middle class, uh, you know, Valley Girl, that all of that innovation seems to be very much uh, upper class or middle class people. So I don't know. Yeah, the class thing I, I have a, I have an issue with. I, 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 I don't I'm not sure about that one. I'm just wondering if it's a thing. I mean, it's the old saw that men don't talk, you know, don't have as many close friends, don't have as many friends as women and blah, blah, blah. Is it, could it, I mean, this is obviously, you know, off the top of my head. Could it simply be a thing where you're talking more? You've got more, mm. you've got more interactions with a, with a wider amount of people. Could it be that? As opposed to like in a business situation. I'm talking about in a social, purely social. Maybe. Uh, it's it's really really interesting. It I, I have to say it doesn't it doesn't completely surprise me. I, I mean just listening to women talk, uh, Kathy, you all just seem to be more creative than we do. But we are. <laughs> <laughs> but what's also interesting is how uh, how derisively these changes are treated early on before they get mm -hmm. absorbed by by the rest of the culture. Mm -hmm. I mean pretty much. Young women, especially, are are treated that way. Whatever they're saying, however they're talking, it's it's treated derisively, uh, almost across the board. You know, mm -hmm. and eventually we take those changes on uh, as a as a language and as a culture, whatever whatever the culture might be. It it sounds like, and so you know that that's also really interesting to me that that. Um, and it's not just the fact that it's different. You know, it's again it goes back into the power dynamics. But but that's also interesting to me is is how it's treated initially. I, I think though, some of it though I think is power. Some of it is uh, I'm saying this on a completely different thought, uh, note. But some of it's just also people just tend to be conservative. They don't like innovation. I was watching a film the other day on uh, TCM and it was I forget which one it was. A classic rave reviews. Everyone loved it. And I was just curious. I looked at the uh, reviews in like the early '60s and they were like pretty bad. Everyone hated the film then. One of the people, I think it was the Times reviewer said, you know, awful film, whatever. Now mm -hmm. it's like the classic, the best film of the generation or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think we all resist change, particularly when it's innovative or different or, or very different or out of the ordinary, which I think is also a case as well. Well, it's funny. When I was first looking just more on the um, whole hack thing, I was stunned by how much I found online, especially on places like Quora or Reddit Quest, like Reddit forums where people were asking like questions. How many people really were getting like riled about like how dare hack mm -hmm. mean this now? And I've got to admit, I don't like it. I mean, so, so I wasn't, but I mean, really the vitriol was really amazing. And it is what you're saying, Ross. It's because a few people are going like, well, you just have to accept the language evolves. Other people are like, I won't let it evolve, you know, in effect. Mm -hmm. so. And for that matter, here we go. We're, the rest of this talk, we're going to be talking about 
words that people are saying they want voted out of the English language or at least quasi-retired, and we're going to be going with this. So we're resisting change as we speak. So. <laughs> no, we're not resisting it. We're complaining about it. It's different. Yes. <laughs> I accept it's happening. I just don't have to like it. Because <laughs> that's what, yeah, that was the next thing we want to talk about. Because you know how the other, the other last, the other week we were talking about the words we wanted retired, as Ross just said. And one that keeps coming up, a friend of ours went on a whole thing on Facebook, on a very lengthy post about it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that was the one we got a number of emails about people saying, why aren't you talking more about that? That's driving me crazy. And do you guys hate it as much as everybody else does? Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not going to write a a long screed about it but yeah i don't like it we, we we did mention it in the last episode and dismissed it in about five seconds and moved on to the next thing so right. may, maybe people are angry that, that we didn't really dig Apparently. in <laughs> yeah because I, I i'm not kidding because because that surprised me because i thought you know we touched on it enough it's like okay yeah we don't like it yeah we, we mentioned it said we hated it and moved on <laughs> It's like, no, it's a biggie. <laughs> There's anger out there. <laughs> and, it, and it is what it is. And it's, it's ugly. <laughs> and it is what it is. And we got a, um, uh, s several people sent us the Maris poll. Have you all seen that at all or not? We did another poll last week. There was another uh, a poll of language of, of words people think should be retired or should gotten rid of. Another one was the uh, Maris poll which um, had a long list of words. The first This word was the most annoying words, I've got to say, though. Ah, this was not words yes. that we retired. This was most annoying, so it's a teeny little well, difference. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's, it's negligible, the yeah. difference. Yeah, let's keep them there But I can annoying. answer Kathy's... <laughs> yeah. But I can say as dismissively when Kathy spoke so like that, whatever, and that was the first word on their list. Whatever, all right. And I agree. That one annoys me. The next was, this really bothered me, was no offense. And 20% oh, sure. of Americans found it irksome. Now, here's what bothered me. In, in, when I was a kid, there was this really nice, big kid, uh, Chip March. And he always said he was a really huge guy. And he looked sort of scary. He was a really nice guy, though. But he would go always, he would always say no offense. And I picked it up. I, like, I was, you uh, did. I remember you said it all I did. the time. I said it all the time. So I was horrified. And I'm not sure. I'm asking friends and relatives. Do I still say it? I think I do. Well, the, I big, do. the big problem with no offense is that people say something that's clearly offensive and they say then they say no offense as if that's supposed to excuse what they've just said. And that's not really that's not really when you need to be using that phrase. Right? Ah, but it is what it is, Fletcher. Come on. <laughs> at, at this point, yes, I suppose so. No, you're right, because people use it. People use it as, a, I'm going to insult you, but you can't get mad at me because right, I just said I've no said offense. Right, because I've said no offense. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Exactly. I've made it legal. <laughs> you, you, No offense, but you really smell. I mean, yeah, it doesn't quite, you <laughs> like, know. But, but if you say something that's maybe a little careless and then you realize it and you say, oh, no offense, you know. Yeah, that, yeah. That seems more reasonable. I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, it doesn't. I mean, I, I can't be bothered by it because apparently I say it. Still. <laughs> you do, Ross. You really do. <laughs> I think I do. Sorry. I'm horrified, but I do. <laughs> and I don't mean to offend. <laughs> no. I literally do say it. I was going to run through the other words. We can pick ones that we want to chat about, if not. On our list, we had perseverance. 
Now, that is a good word, but everyone's using it because we're persevering through COVID. But on the other hand, even though people are complaining about it, we are persevering through COVID. So does this bother you all or not? No, I didn't. Mm -mm. I wouldn't. I'm surprised to learn that it bothers people. Uh, maybe they're just hearing it too much. Is that really what it is? I think that's probably what it, I think it's probably COVID uh, fatigue actually yeah. on this one. Because that was the name. That was the word of the year for Cambridge Dictionary. Mm -hmm. Oh, perseverance. Interesting. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but in a, right. like this is our word of the year. So, yeah, that one doesn't bother me. Here's one that bothers me. It has a usage, but I still don't like it. Thought leader. Oh, no. This is a go to person for ideas and expertise. What do you all think about that word? Nope. I have no I have I have no interest in in hearing about a thought leader at all. That is so that I don't know I don't know where it actually comes from but it's so business jargony to me. Yeah, I would make that as a as a jargon-ish thing that, that I I mean I, I guess if I were a business person, which I'm not, um I can see where they would feel there's a place for it. But it, it seems sort of Orwellian to me. I, I get a Big Brother vibe somehow, you know? Or it's something, my son works in the, in government, and he said, like, everyone, everyone is a thought leader. And he said it's just getting, it's it's become so trite because we have a thought leader here, we have a thought leader there. Because it doesn't mean anything at this when, point. When everyone is a thought leader, no one is a thought leader? Yeah. Yeah. What I about mean, thought followers, he said? I was just going to say, are there thought followers? Are there? I mean, yeah. Are, and is that a good I thing? I mean, it's... I mean <laughs> should I proudly say? He said it stains government at this point. It's all over the place. It's unprecedented. Ah, oh, yes. that was the other one. We got this is one we got a lot of people writing us about as well. This and it is what it is. Unprecedented is apparently disturbing people at this point. I saw somebody tweet the other day about how much they just wanted some precedented news. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> it's we go back to the old normal. Yeah, no, it's true. Well, okay, here's the problem is that there are a lot of unprecedented things happening. I mean, there really are, you know, cl climate change, at least in, in terms of human history, there are a lot of things that are unprecedented. I mean, they've never happened to us before. And uh, and uh, there are things happening within uh, our um, government and political system that have never happened before. I mean, they really are unprecedented. I agree True. with you, but I think we, we think the problem is unprecedented used in a different sense, in the adver advertising, unprecedented pantyhose, <laughs> unprecedented hamburger experience. Although you guys, I, I've got to tell you, there can be pantyhose that's unprecedented. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I speak from experience. <laughs> okay, what about unprecedented heated bathroom floor systems? <laughs> I guess there could be. No, I, I don't know. You get up in the middle of the night, it's a cold floor. Yeah, <laughs> it could be true. I, I agree in advertising, maybe we don't really need that word even if it is true. I think, though, that uh, don't you guys think that there's certain like this is one of those words you hear it so much. It's ceasing to have the meaning it had. It's just it's like you said, Fletcher. OK, you know, and it's true. These are indeed unprecedented times. But if you hear it over and over again, it ceases to mean something. Sure. It becomes just sort of like white noise. Yeah, it's you, like start, you do start getting numb yeah. to it like anything. Yeah. That's said over yeah. and over. Although the bathroom floor system intrigues me. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold here at night. I, I always wanted one. I always have wanted one. <laughs> I'm bougie. I admit it. <laughs> so let's, I think just quickly finishing up, we remain cautious. That seems, again, like sort of a, 
sort of a tautology. I mean, you know, we, we should probably remain cautious about certain things and it seems unnecessary. It doesn't seem like a big deal to me. We got a number of mm. people who did not like that, that phrase, but it doesn't really bother us. Does it Kathy or not? I don't care for it, but meh, you know, whatever. You can say it. Whatever. Oh, my God. That was on the top <laughs> yep. of the Marist poll. <laughs> I'm blowing it here, boys. <laughs> I want to chime in and just say whatever does not really bother me at all. Oh, good. No. Yeah, I use it. So, Oh, the other two we got. One of these I don't have a problem with. Deep Dive was oh. another one that people wrote us about. Okay. I think, I think you know, most of these I think people are just hearing them too often and, and mm-hmm. you know i mean mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's right maybe we need to be a little more creative with our language uh but you know it doesn't bother me really as a phrase maybe it's just overused mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I the same thing which goes which basically does link right to the last word which the last two words supply chain which obviously is a problem right now right but supply chain seems to be now used in a generic sense to blame something on everything and I, but it that's a difficult one because it does seem to be the the you know the phrase of the moment, and it seems I, to well. It, there's a reason, yeah. I have yeah. absolutely yeah. no problem with supply chain. I actually disagree with the people who said, "Oh, they're sick." I'm sick of hearing about it because I'm sick of having issues getting my printer ink. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, I can listen to. I mean, I don't care. You know, use the word. I just you know want my ink. And also, sometimes that's how language changes, or or how phrases come into the language is, is there's a shock to our system. And mm-hmm. and in a phrase like that, that is relevant to what's going on, sort of becomes a little more generic. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. that's how language mm-hmm. changes is, is those those shocks. That's a really good point. I'm wondering if post COVID, I mean, we've done this for us when we've talked to Leonard a bunch of times, like how is COVID changing the language? I'm curious, though, to see if we are going to see uh, changes because of what we globally have gone through. Absolutely. I mean, are some. Yeah. What do you guys think we're going to see? I'm curious. Oh, I think so. I also think these changes that were even the ones that we're talking about right now, with supply chain be, being becoming basically a phrase. These are not the same changes that we were talking about, I think, with Labov and that theory of change from below. Mm-hmm. These are changes that have occurred in a different way. I think mm-hmm. in the seeing. I don't quite know. I don't I haven't quite see, seen yet a study of it. But these seem to be changes from above. In effect, really, journalists deciding these words are, are to be used. Advertisers putting them in. These are deliberate changes. I, I, I don't. I don't know that I agree with you. I actually don't know that I agree with you, Rose. I, I, it seems to me that they're 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 sort of organic. It's like yes, they begin in the news because there's a legitimacy to it being used in the oh, news. Oh yeah, no, been... I, I agree with that too. I, I agree with that. I'm saying there, but the, but the concept, the concept comes. It doesn't seem to be what we were talking about. It, it, no, it, it doesn't. I agree be, with you on that. Yeah. Do you, you guys want to know? Actually, I just thought of this. Do you know the term? For uh, naming something, how do you name this? Do you all know that? I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce it right. It comes from the ancient Greek onomazo to name, and the science is called onomasiology. Naming the science of naming things. Yeah, the science of naming things. Can you repeat the word? Onomasiology. Ah, I like that. I know I like it too, but I think we are. I think we do have like we need to name certain things, and we name them, and then they they take off. And I don't think that fits that Labov sort of uh, construction. And this is a different form of word creation. I think. But I think Labov, so is to me, seems more of a, of a how it how it how it evolves. Whereas this is like, yeah, this is just legitimate new naming. 
because of yeah, new experience. Yeah, so I think this is a very different animal. I really do. Yeah. Because whatever, you know. Whatever, I said it again. This is going to drive me crazy now for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us. They're how we get more people to find us. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.